Stephen, it's great to have you on today. Thank you so much for joining. Now, I know you joined Scottish from Clydesdale right at the start of the pandemic. I think it was just a few weeks before we went into lockdown. Um, tell us about why you made the move and also what are some of the key differences between working for Mutual versus a retail bank? Yeah, so I, I joined um, three weeks before lockdown, so quite a bizarre first month um, yeah. and I think since then I've only been in the office a handful of times you know maybe a dozen times over the last 18 months um, so yeah it, it has actually worked though um, yeah we've been very effective um, helping and servicing our customers from a distance and operating as a team at a distance so it's it's, it's been great um, although very challenging um, so I would I was with Clydesdale for nine years. Um, so, and arguably I would say I was probably with them for, for maybe five years too many. Um, I probably should have left earlier. Um, and, um, you know, they're, they've got a great business. Um, they obviously acquired Virgin. Um, and I think they will be a very disruptive force in, in the UK banking environment. I've no doubt that they'll make a great success of that. Um, but I think for me, it was time to move on. It just felt like, just the right opportunity to sort of break ties and, and go and do something on my own. Um, and I think when I threw my hat in the ring to leave, I didn't actually have anything. So there was actually at that point I was leaving to go and do nothing potentially. Um, and then the opportunity came uh, came along to join the Scottish. I met with Paul Denton, who, who had just taken over the role of um, chief exec. He was looking for someone to head up the, their mortgage business. It seemed like a good fit. Um, and, and, and I, I joined and, and really haven't looked back. It's been a, a really exciting 18 months. I think the key differences between the businesses, so I think with a large corporate, um, if we use a nautical expression, it's a very, very big ship with a small rudder. Um, so it takes a very long time for things to happen. And it, it can be that it's actually quite a, a beige environment, not hugely exciting at times. Um, whereas with a small business, I would say it's almost the exact opposite. It's a very small ship and it can have a very big rudder. So you've got to be very careful about how you deploy that rudder um, just to make sure that you don't do anything which is going to shock the business, particularly with a business that is as old as the Scottish Building Society, originated in 1848. So we're actually the oldest building society in the world. Mm. Um, so it's, 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 been a, it's been a super exciting um, 18 months. Brilliant. And you mentioned Paul already, but uh, Paul obviously joined a few months before you back in 2019. What, what can you share with us about the new senior leadership team's vision for the Building Society? Yeah, so I think that we have a growth agenda. Um, so we are looking to grow the business. We're looking to grow it safely. Um, we're looking to grow our member base, our, our mortgage book. Um, we'll utilise the key relationships that we've got with brokers in the market to grow our mortgage book. We have a small direct team of mortgage advisors as well, but at the moment about 90% of our mortgage business comes in through the intermediary market and our brokers have been super supportive over the last 18 months. There's definitely um, the feedback that we've had is that there is a, a sea change in language from, from our business, the way that we're looking to do to, to, to help and support brokers um, and, and to do business. Um, so yeah, we, we're, we have a growth agenda, um, which is, is first and foremost um, doing that carefully Looking at our technology as well, and um, so we will need to invest in technology, um, and that's something that we've got a, a roadmap outlined um, with regards at the moment. Um, that's going to be a key part of our growth moving forward. Our brand needs a bit of work as well, um, so I think we have a very strong brand. I don't think we've necessarily, over the last five years, I don't think the society has maybe necessarily um, 
pushed out into the market in the way that it could. Um, so we're we're going to deploy more of an elbows out approach um, over the next few years to really push the, the brand of the Scottish Building Society home and to attract new members um, over. So yeah, that, it's, it's growth, but it's safe growth. Yeah, brilliant. And earlier on in your career, you were a mortgage broker for the best part of a decade, weren't you? Um, yep. Before you joined Clydesdale. So how much of an impact do you think that's had on your role as head of intermediaries at Scottish? Yeah, stacks, absolutely loads. Um, so I think yeah, I feel like the businesses that I worked with as a broker had a very strong customer-centric ethos um, and putting the customer first. And I definitely have taken that forward. Um, I think it's important that um, you understand um, what a mortgage broker does fundamentally. Um, and a lot of people who operate in this industry actually don't understand what a broker does. Um, you know, broker the demands on brokers over the last eighteen months have been unbelievable. Um, you know, in, in, in terms of actually um, the, the flow of customers and what it takes to actually get a mortgage application through, which in some instances can actually be a Herculean effort, um, an enormous amount of paperwork um, supporting the customer, almost acting as a mortgage counselor. Yeah. Um, you know, to get the application o- over the line. So I think for me, fundamentally, I think I've got a really good understanding of, of what a broker does, the challenges that brokers experience. And then we have, again, a very strong customer-centric focus whereby we listen to our brokers to understand what their challenges are so that we can then marry our proposition to helping brokers with those challenges. Um, and, and I think that joined-up approach will, will serve any business well yeah. um, if, you, if you understand the end customer. Yeah, that's brilliant. In fact, it leads me on quite nicely to my next question, which was going to be, you know, every time I speak with you, you know, in all of our conversations, I can just tell how in tune you are with broker feedback and NPS and so on. Do you think broker and customer expectations have changed over the last 18 months? And if so, what, what do you think is driving that that change? Yeah, they have without question. Um, so the, the market after an initial lull, um, where everything was locked down in Scotland, obviously the registers of Scotland were closed for a period of time. And then um, we saw a, a, a tsunami um, of, of business um, flow, flow in. And, and that was driven by changes in customer behaviour. Um, the, the, the property um, market was driven more around acquisition of houses with gardens, yeah. moving out with you know, the main sort of cities and conurbations, um, two-person households becoming one two, two one-person households. Um, so th- there was a lot of movement in the property market, which created um, huge drain on resource. Yeah. Um, brokers were much busier. Um, lenders across the board were, were much busier and resource became um, key critical. Um, it was also for a period of time, if you remember last year, and whereby criteria narrowed quite significantly. There were far fewer lenders in the high LTV space. Um, and what, what I think what has, has happened is that a lot of complexity has been driven into the mortgage space. And at a time when complexity is driven into the mortgage space, brokers come into their own because um, they have a great problem-solving ethos. Um, and, and I think they will then need a lender that sits behind them that is open to listening to a customer's story and shaping a solution. And what you've seen is that the lenders, possibly even the smaller lenders and building societies who have got that flexible approach to lending, have seen some pretty significant growth um, in, in their mortgage books. We've seen that with larger lenders as well. You know, the large systemic banks have grown significantly over the last 18 months. Um, but the smaller lenders in turn have also grown um, because we, are, we, we can be quite flexible and, and quite adaptable. And that all comes back to just a change in customer behaviour. Um, yeah. and, and the kinds of property that are being purchased. 
Yeah, brilliant. And earlier on, you mentioned about technology, you mentioned about working for a much more agile business than perhaps a, a much more established corporate. Um, we often see customers weighing up whether to go ahead uh, with a big sort of all-encompassing digital transformation project or sort of weighing up the more quick agile wins and I was hoping to get your perspective on that and what you think is the right approach for balancing the two. Yeah so I think it's quite technology for technology's sake is quite dangerous Um, so I think it's critical that you look at your um, what you do well and and how the technology helps you to do that better um, and, and not take you away from that so what we do well we are personal flexible Scottish they are the three words that resonate with brokers when they think about our brand and, and what we do well. And the flexible part relates to flexible underwriting. So if we're going to deploy technology, we need to deploy technology that allows us to continue to be flexible. Mm. Brokers want us to be a little bit faster. So technology needs to support that. And actually, ultimately, if you look at something like a sales and origination platform, brokers don't get to see that behind the scenes. Um, they're interested in the outputs. So how quickly can you help me? Can you come up with a solution? Um, so to say that we have invested a million pounds in a new sales and origination platform, um, you know, unless there's a very good reason for that, um, then you may or may not choose to, to, to take that action. Um, I think it is important to note, however, that within the next few years, I think we probably will see a lot of changes in industry. The age of the API mortgage is just about upon us, yeah. um, you know, where particularly for brokers, um, if you have a CRM system, there'll be almost an expectation where you push the customer's data direct from that CRM system to the lender. Mm. Um, and lenders must be ready to accept that data and, and, and consume that data in, in a format which works um, for them. Um, so there's a sort of balanced trade-off here um, whereby, yeah, I, I think you need to be ready for that change. But deploying technology for technology's sake um, can, be, can be quite dangerous as well can also be quite disruptive to the business. Um, So getting that roadmap and getting clear what it is you actually want to achieve aligned to what your customers want over the next two, three, five years is is absolutely critical. Yeah, agreed. And in terms of selecting a technology partner for your business, what what do you think uh, makes your list, your criteria list then in terms of selecting the right partner, making sure they understand your roadmap? What what would you uh, say um, or what helps you make the right decision? So we're looking for a strategic partnership. Um, so I think if you've got a, a piece of technology which helps you solve one problem and it does it well, then I would be interested. But if you have a piece of technology which helps helps you solve multiple problems mm-hmm. um, and is very malleable, so it can actually you can actually then grow into the, the, the technology um, and it can help you as a business grow um, and solve a number of downstream problems and as a genuine strategic partnership then that's of great interest to us as a business um, i would say as well that we are obviously very keen on customer advocacy we, we, we listen to our customers um you know as i said earlier on pretty fanatical about it um and you know i think equally if we're looking at the technology provider that we are potentially partnering with then we would like their customers to be equally fanatical um, and, and I think strong advocacy strong feedback um, is, is key critical and um, so if we if, if we can sort of marry that up you know solving lots of problems a strategic partnership and the feedback from from the the end user of that technology provider is very strong then that's something that would generally spike my interest we would be very keen um, to to partner with a company like that yeah brilliant and then final question so I'd love to get your 
thoughts, your predictions on how you see the lender and broker landscape changing. I know you've mentioned APIs and moving into more of the digital era, as you've said, but what, what would you forecast um, in terms of new technology, driving the different standards, particularly around the broker and lender communication? So I think it's, if you ask the question, is it going to be an iterative process um, or is there going to be one shock, big bang change? You know, I think is the first question. And I think it'll be iterative. Um, I don't see us waking up tomorrow and, you know, um, the VCR becomes Netflix, you know, over a very short period of time. I don't see that happening tomorrow. I think it's probably more like the electric car, whereby we are going on a journey from the internal combustion engine through to electrifying, through to, you know, self-driving or, or, or the navigation um, side of things. Um, so LIDAR and, and, and self-driving cars and then on to whatever comes after that. So I think we, we have got an iterative um, process that we will go through over many years. There's so many facets within the mortgage supply chain that you need to bring along. You know, so you've, you've got everything from the valuers to the solicitors, to the brokers, to the lenders. Um, and ultimately, all that has got to be driven by customer as well so you know for example open banking you know have customers really truly adopted open banking i don't think they have yet mm. um so i think we are in for a period of almost continuous change and refinement over the next five or ten years i think what might um be more disruptive potentially advances in ai and quantum computing and it's always good to have one eye out with our industry to other industries where that technology is being deployed and is highly disruptive um, so, you know, if you spend a bit of time with someone who's a sort of PhD in data science and they talk you through how that technology is being used in similar industries, then that can maybe give you a step for a hint as to where our industry is going. But I think that's a ways off. Um, I think that's probably a five to 10 year shift. Um, and I think what we'll see in the next five years is the deployment of, um, you know, certain kinds of technology to refine the process rather than completely overhaul the process in the next five years. I think you're spot on. Stephen, thank you so much for today. It's been a pleasure speaking with you as always and uh, great to get your insights. Thank you so much. Thanks, Paul. It's been great. Take care. Take care.